0: You are listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at JourneyCC.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. <laughs> are they too cute or what? They are just too cute. I love when Skye is so small, she has to get up on a stool to get up to mom and sister. That was great. Hey, we are grateful to have you here. Happy New Year. If I didn't get to say that to you before. Happy new, Year. Happy new Year! Yeah, we're digging into a new series out of the book of Genesis, looking at how Jesus shows up in this book, in the beginnings. That's what Genesis means, is beginnings. And uh, we're looking at... Stories about how that occurred and how it applies to our lives, and I thought I'd give you a little perspective. That's my word for the year. Um, back in 1971, this is way before all of your time because you're all so young. But in 71, we were doing this program called the Apollo program, where we were sending people to the moon. You guys probably saw the movie Apollo 13. Well, Apollo 15 was right after that, a couple years after that, and. The command module pilot was a guy by the name of Al Woolard. Al was in the command module along with his two partners that went and was shot to the moon. And then he would orbit around the moon while his two partners were down on the surface, walking actually on the moon. Bummer. It's all right. So here's Al circling the moon by himself, 2,000 miles away from his partners and thousands and thousands of miles away from Earth. Now, he said he had a perspective change. As he's orbiting, they called him the loneliest man on the planet or the loneliest man of humankind because he was so far away from all human contact that he, and he saw something on the far back side of the moon. If you understand this, when the sun reflects on the moon, the back side of the moon is the part that is the darkest. There's no sunlight there. And so as his orbiter would go around the moon, he looked out into the universe, and he said he didn't just see stars, he saw a blanket of light. He couldn't even differentiate between the stars because of all the billions and billions of stars, suns, out in the universe, and that's just our galaxy along with billions of galaxies past that. He said instantly he saw life differently, whole different perspective. He realized how small he was, how little humankind really is, how small the earth is in comparison to the universe. And here he is on the backside, the loneliest he ever felt as he circled the moon. You thought you felt lonely at parts of your life? He was completely alone. Today, I want us to think about that as we get into this text in Genesis chapter two. Genesis two God, through Moses, relates the story of day six and how humankind was created. And what you learn from this is not just marriage, not just men and women, not just God's design for all of us on earth, but it's supposed to be a perspective change. Because let's face it, come on, most of us as human beings look at the world, much like Al did before that moonshot, look at the world from us out to the world. Our our thoughts, our decisions, our reactions, our behaviors. We're looking at how the world impacts us and we're making choices based off of what we see the world as. Correct? That's our perspective. But Al and this passage in Genesis takes a different perspective. Instead, what if we looked at Genesis 2 and the creation of humanity on how God looks at us? I want you to see today a different perspective. Are you with me? You guys ready to dig in deep? That's what we're going to do in Genesis 2. I got to get at it. There's so much to cover and I will not cover it all, but I want you to dig into it today and use this as your part of your devotions this week. What is God trying to show us in this story of how he created mankind? Now, we covered last week Genesis 1. There was so much more to talk about, but we got through the meaning, the meaning of Genesis 1. The reason he dis- explained that to us through Moses is to show us that the whole world was created for our benefit. Everything around you, the design of the creation was done so that you could live, so that you could function. And then he created you and me for his benefit. World created for your benefit, you're created And then to make that clear, he digs into Genesis chapter 2, which you know this story, I'm sure. It's the story of Adam and? Wrong. She's not called Eve yet. She's called womb man. Get to that in a minute. This is the account, verse four. This is the account of the heavens and the earth and how they were created when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. They're combined, they're together. And then he starts into verse five. Now, no shrub, this isn't on the screen. I'm just reading it to you. No shrub had yet appeared on earth. No plant had yet sprung up from the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth yet. That's Noah, that's weeks away. And there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And when, then here's verse seven, this is on your screen. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed, everybody say breathe, Breathe. breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life and mankind was formed, came, became a living being. Now let's just pause there for a second. I want you to see the beauty of this. This is This is amazing. All of the creation days one through six up to Adam and and the woman were all formed by God's command. Let there be light. Bang. There was light. Let there be land. Boom. There's land. Let there be seas. Boom. The water's gathered to seas. Let there be universe and stars. Boom. The universe is created. Let there be cats and dogs and animals and, and pests and Mice and rats and, oh, snakes. Should I keep going? He created that just by his command. But with mankind, it was special. With mankind, he took elements of creation and then he formed it with his hands. That's what that word describes. He formed humanity out of his own design. Now, where did he get that design from? Huh. I always thought that Jesus changed to come in human form when he came to earth in the nativity. But no, Jesus was the model that he formed mankind from. In fact, you read Revelation 1, we're gonna cover Revelation after we're done with Genesis. You read Revelation 1, you see that even in his glorified body, he exists in the form of what we look like as humans. He's not in flesh, but his form, his design, who Jesus is, was the model of who you were designed to be. You were created, formed, molded like clay into the design of Jesus. Come on, give me a hallelujah for that. Do you realize how special that is? He did nothing with any part of creation except for you and then, not only that, but then he takes this form, this clay, this mold that he had created, and breathes his spirit into the man. Do you really do you realize you have this deposit of God Himself in you? That's what makes you so special. You have been given a deposit of the spirit of God himself. That's what makes you different than every other part of creation. That's what helps you to understand and think and project onto the future. That's why you can predict things that are gonna happen when you know what you're gonna do is right or wrong. That's why you think and feel and learn and do differently than all other elements of creation. Yes, different than all the animals, including cats and dogs. You have a deposit of God himself in you. Now, can I just pause for the book for a minute and realize how special this is? You're just saying about Jesus, I am who you say I am, right? When Jesus was resurrected, went to the cross, died for your sin, paid you the price, comes back from the grave the first day. He shows up that night to have dinner with the disciples, which, come on, that would just rock my world. He shows up. What does he do there? He speaks to them. And then it says in John chapter 20, I think it is, he says, and Jesus breathed his spirit onto his disciples. And then in Acts chapter two, you know this, when Jesus had left the earth, he sent his spirit to fill in, to infill the lives of believers. We believe this, that when you give your life to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. That's matching Genesis chapter two. We haven't got to chapter three yet. We'll talk about that next week. But in Genesis two, he put a deposit of his spirit into humankind's life. And then when you surrender your life to Jesus, he replaces that corrupted spirit with his Holy Spirit. Come on. Why in the world would we not want that? I want to breathe. His Holy Spirit in my life. Do you? We'll talk about the corruption of that next week and why you need Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, surrender to him now, get baptized, the water's warm, we're ready, we got clothing to change into. Don't leave this place without giving your life to Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit of God. That's how he created Mankind. Adam, not only a name for this first man, but it means mankind. And he created all of us in that way. And then, so that's the first part of this, and then he does something different and unique with Adam. He he says, I got this garden. Now I could spend all day just on this part of the text, but he's got this garden. It's got four rivers running into it. Two of them, the Tigris and Euphrates are rivers that exist still on earth. The other two, we do not know anything about or where they come from, whether they were wiped out at Noah's time or they were wiped out after Genesis three, they were removed. These four rivers feed this one location. And in that location was the garden of Eden. Don't forget. In Genesis 1 and 2, much like Revelation 21 and 22, heaven and earth are connected. They're not separate. Amen. So God would be in heaven and then walking on earth at the same time. Adam and his, and his wife could be in both places at the same time. And Eden was like the center point to it. And he places the man there and says, now I, I got an assignment for you. I, I've created you. In my son's image, I've made you informed you with my special breath, and here's what I want you to do. He says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden in order to work it and to care for it. Pause right there for a second. In order to help me work it and care for it. Anybody here try to do everything they can to get out of work? Anybody with me? Don't bump the person next to you. Isn't it fascinating that in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, we do everything we can to avoid work? But God said, no, no, you were designed to work for the kingdom. That's how I made it. And then he goes on. And by the way, Adam, the Lord commanded the man, you are free. To eat of all the trees of the garden pineapple and apples and oranges and bananas, and on and on and goes. You know, tomatoes. I know you don't think that's a fruit, that's actually a fruit. On and on he goes. You can eat of all that. And in the center of the garden, just remember there are two trees that you need to know about. One's called the tree of life, and the other's called the tree of knowledge of good and. Oh, and if you eat of that tree, you will certainly discover death. You will find out what true separation from God really looks like. So you can eat of anything you want, just don't eat of that tree. Why did he do that? Well, here's why. Just like we saw in Genesis 1, if there's a good, there has to also be a not good. If there's a tree of life, there has to be a tree of not life. If there's the creation of light, then there has to be the existence of darkness. If there's a righteousness, there also has to be sinfulness. You can't create the one without also providing the existence of the other. And so he warns the man, he gives him two choices, do it the right or choose the wrong. You have, listen, here it is, free will to choose. Now, I know we just did communion, but anybody other than me have ever made the wrong choice in your life? Why aren't the rest of you raising your hands? And because of that, you will taste death. See, the reason we make the wrong choice is, listen, wrong perspectives. Again, we'll get to that next Sunday. But he gives the man this gift of free will. Why would he give him that gift? Because you were made in the image of Jesus. You have the ability to choose. That's what makes you like him. You have a job to do. You have work for the kingdom to to do for his benefit. You have purpose and meaning and function in life. And you were given choice just like the Godhead has every day. Now, you may not like that. Isn't it funny? Like, come on, how we want freedom to choose for ourselves, but we like to narrow the choices of everybody else. Oh, let's make a law against this. Let's do something against that. Let's let's teach our kids and put the rules against them to squeeze them in so they do what we want them to do. Come on, anybody else other than me make that parenting mistake? Come on. The rules don't fix the problem. The problem is right here it's the desire to choose the right versus the not right. And he gave man that gift because he wanted him on his own free will to choose to love the father. Then it goes on, verse 18. The Lord God said, okay, man, Adam, this is really good. But it's not good to be alone. It's not good for you to be the only one. It's not good when you feel like there's nobody that is your complement. I'm gonna make a helper suitable for you. Now, you guys know this story. But what's fascinating about that is what what he does next, and I won't read it to you, but he lines up the species of animals, and he walks them in front of Adam and Adam is given the job of naming every single thing that goes by. That, I'm gonna call that one this. I'm gonna call that one a cow. I'm going to call, well, we, that's our English. But he's gonna name these different instruments. Why? Because by doing so, he is giving Adam the responsibility to manage and care for creation. He has authority over all that he sees because he named it. Parents, you know this. When you birth the child, you have authority over that child because you were the ones who birthed and named it. You have the authority because you were the parent figure over your children. I know we like to forget that, but that's the job. And so here's Adam. He's got God over him, and he's got all of creation under him, but there's nobody with him talk about feeling alone he is completely alone and that's why god says it's not good for man mankind to be completely alone he's not even talking about men and women here he's talking about what's called intima everybody say that word intima intima, intima is the lining around the heart it's a medical term comes from the Hebrew. And all it means is one person completely knows the heart of the next. They're known and be known between two people, intima. He says, this man needs a helpmate, a partner, an equal to be a part of their life together. So he takes the man, puts him to sleep. We don't know how long that is knocks him out for hours or even days or whatever. I know it's all six day. That's a whole nother discussion about how long a day is during that first six days. But he creates by taking, he doesn't take dust and create the woman. No, no, no. He takes from the man's rib cage, a rib, a DNA, a part of his life, and then forms the woman from a piece of the man to make them equals. And then he brings the woman to the man and it goes on. (laughs) He brings the woman, the man revives and sees and sees this woman that God himself brings to the man and the man says, yeah, womb man, womb man. Not really man, but different and yet the same. She's equal. She's partner. I can connect and feel and know this person, and they can know me. That's the design of humankind. And you need to hear that because the world likes to take the perspective of, well, we know what humans should be like. We know how they should act. We knew how they should be. We know how they should relate. We know how they should act, but we never look at it from God's perspective. No, he said, that's not how I designed it. I designed it so that you could know and be known with people around you. And he's not even talking about marriage necessarily. Listen carefully. You can be alone, single, and still feel fully connected with human beings and you can be married and still feel completely alone. That's not the issue. The issue is connectedness with the humans around you. You and I need that. We're better together. So I wanna speak to all of you introverts. Doesn't mean you need to be extroverted but you need to do life with other people. Hiding behind the camera does not do other people. Choosing your own way against everybody else. I'm self-serve, I can order my groceries online. I can go and and order uh, DoorDash and have them drop it off at my door. I can live my life on my own, on my terms. You are not living in the will of God. He said, it's not good. You need the fellowship of one heart knowing another. By the way, that's why we encourage you to get in a group so that you can build life together with people who know you and you know them. That's why we tell you to serve on a team because it's not designed for you to be independent and a soloist. You're designed to work together to grow your spirit and the people's spirits around you. That's why there's marriage and it says, we're going to see this in a minute, do not let them separate because you don't want to break apart the thing that is good. And that's where we land. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Why didn't he say about that the wife? Because the wife? she already did leave. She left to be united to Adam. So now it's Adam's job to, be, to leave, to be united to his spouse. That's the job. And they become one flesh. They're not just talking about physical intimacy there. He's talking about uniting hearts together. And you need that with people in your life. Amen? Amen. When you acknowledge that, you'll discover the good and what makes fellowship happen. Jesus goes and adds to it a little bit. It comes from the Old Testament from Moses. And whatever God has joined together, let man not separate. Listen carefully The world does everything it can to split up relationships, family, parent-child, spouse. You need to shut that out and don't participate in it. Your job is to help unite marriages, not divide them. Are you hearing me, church? Because if we don't carry that message, we are going against what's good in creation. Now that's a lot, right? We could talk more about marriage. We could talk more about relationships. We can talk about more, more about the design of male and female, what makes us different, what makes us the same. We could go on and on. I wanna take our perspective and shoot it way out in the universe and look down on earth and say, what was God thinking when he created humankind? Because I think we forget that. We look at it from our selfish perspectives. We never look at it from what God was doing. So here's at least four lessons on that. Number one, You were fashioned to be holy. Do you hear that? Yet we still struggle with this thing called sin. And that sin comes into our spirit and corrupts the holy breath of God that's on deposit in our lives. We need to get back to holiness. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, you need to receive that holy breath of God in your life. If you've received that at one time, you need to get back to following that spirit and let it have dominion over your life instead of what the world keeps telling you you think you need. I am not who I say I am. You sang this. I am who he says. I am. You were fashioned to be holy. Why would we ever give that up? That's what makes us like God. And then, not only that, but then you were placed to produce. I've told you this over and over again over the years. God is the provider, you just produce. He provided the creation. He provided the universe. He provided the earth and the land and the sea. He provided your food supply. He provided your skill set. He provided all that he's been throwing into your life. He is the provider. You don't provide anything. He does it all. When was the last time you said, let there be light and it happened? You didn't provide that. But your job, and get this, wherever he's placed you, Wherever you live, wherever you're working tomorrow, whatever you're doing in school, He's placed you in those locations to produce something for His kingdom. That should change our perspective to see that you have a mission tomorrow, you have a purpose. Your family is important because you're placed in it to do something for the Lord. Your work environment, your school environment, places that you live—California and Tracy need you. That's right. Your place there. So don't leave until he places you somewhere else. Yeah. And then you're made to relate. I've already hit this enough. You're not made to do it alone. You're made to do it together. And finally, you're called to sacrifice love is sacrifice. The man gave up a rib in order to have a partner. The woman, you know this ladies, gives up her body in order to have a child. God gave up time alone with Adam so that Adam and the woman could be mates together in eternity. Friends, Love is sacrifice. And your calling on earth is to sacrifice yourself for the sake of the kingdom, just as Jesus sacrificed himself for your sake. That was the design. Now, if I took that, can you bring that slide back up, Kiana? Bring that previous slide up, those four things. If I took the word humans out and put your name there, would that describe your life? Scott is fashioned to be holy. Oh, I got some work to do. Scott is placed to produce. I got to get to work. Scott is made to relate. Okay, Diana, we got to relate. Scott is called to sacrifice. This is, friends, Genesis 2 is exactly why we as believers are called to speak the blessing of God over people. Listen, this is why we stand for the sanctity of life of babies. Because God has formed and fashioned every child, even in the womb, he's already fashioning that child and giving the spirit deposit onto that child. We need to stand for them. This is why we call out all marriages to be made in the form of man and woman, not because we say it's right, but because that's how God designed it to be. This is why we stand against injustice and against violence and against abuse because human life is so precious and holy. We're different. And this is also why you're supposed to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because that makes you the most you you're supposed to be. And you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself because they're just as special as you are in the eyes of God. Quit looking at it from our selfish perspectives and start seeing what God sees in humanity. You are divine. What you'll notice throughout this chapter when you study it later is this key phrase, the Lord God, the Lord God formed the man. The Lord God placed him in the garden. The Lord God extracted a rib from Adam. The Lord God created a woman to match him. The Lord God spoke. The Lord God said, I want you to hear that clearly. You are a divine creation with the freedom to choose, but he is still God and always will be. And that's the perspective we as humans need to have. So you know what? Let's quit telling God who we think we are. And let's find out what he created us to be. That gives worship to God. I've been talking a long time I'm going to cut it off now. There's more to discuss, more to have, more to learn, more to grow. Genesis 2 is a great picture of what eternity will look like someday. But I want to end with one last thought. If you haven't surrendered to Jesus, today may be your day. I'm not going to sing a song, I'm not going to call you up, I'm not going to ask you to stand in front of people. I'm going to give you a choice. Choose the tree of life or keep choosing the wrong tree. Surrender to him today. You can come up at the end of the service. We have the baptistry ready for you. We're ready to receive you and let you receive that breath of spirit that fills your soul. But don't leave here without making that choice. God, I thank you for today for this reminder out of Genesis 2, this incredible story. We read about this as children. We talk about it as kids. It explains a lot of things to us about how you created humanity with male and female. It talks about things we use in stories about marriage, but bigger than that, what an incredible gift that you would design us after your own son, that that you would... Form us and make us so unique and special that you would breathe your spirit into our life to give us life and hope and meaning. And then even when we reject you, that you're still ready to take us back. Hallelujah. What a great God you are. So I pray today we'd have a different perspective and turn back to you to become all you designed us to be. That's our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody greet and sit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.